Poor Amanda. I hope she's doing well. I hope her life turned out good. <laughs> she shook these too. She's probably doing great. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Sorry guys, I was out. I was uh had some wisdom teeth issues, but we're alive and well and ready to end this year good. <laughs> you scared me so much when I like woke up and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm like in horrible pain. I can't record today." So I was like, bad. "Are you okay?" Like you're like, "I'm sorry, like I won't be there for the recording." And I'm like, "But are you alive? Like are you good though?" Um, basically what happened was I had my wisdom teeth taken out. I was recovering swimmingly. I was like, wow, this is going, going so well, almost too well. (laughs) And, uh, turns out I had what's called a dry socket. And, uh, that's when basically the blood clot doesn't form properly at your extraction site. And then your bone is exposed. The blood clot wasn't clotting. She was not. She was not clotting. And uh, it caused some really horrible uh, nerve pain. And I texted Mo in the dead of night at like 3.30 in the morning because I had been awoken by my pain and was like, I can't talk about the family stone tomorrow. You guys will have to soldier on without me. And then I called my dentist in the morning and I got some some great painkillers. So we're alive and well. But Yes. Um, so if you need any painkillers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Hope everybody had a great Christmas, uh, had a wonderful week. And yes. uh, yeah, we're excited to finish off 2022. It's been quite a year for the pod. Lots of growth. Lots of great stuff has happened. Yeah, it's been an incredible year. I can't believe this is our final 2022 episode. It's, yeah. It feels like this year flew by. We really are just so like ecstatic about all of the listenership that we've like mm-hmm. grown this year and everyone like tweeting or like duetting TikToks and stuff like that. It's just been so exciting. And yeah, we can also proudly announce that the podcast is finally a real legitimate LLC. Yeah, we're a business now. Yeah, I'm so glad that's over. It was like yes. incredibly confusing. Um, <laughs> still, <laughs> I still have so many questions. But um, yeah, it's been just incredible. And We're looking forward to doing so much more with the podcast in 2023. Yes, we're super excited. We have lots of fun ideas, some fun guests we want to try and get. So it's going to be a good time. And yeah, I just also want to say like thank you to everybody who shared uh, having us on their Spotify wrapped. We got to see some like really amazing stats from Spotify that we're super proud of. Yeah. And uh, we just want to thank everybody so much for the support and loving the show because it means a lot to us. I guess with that being said, should we let them know what our final 2022 movie is? Yes, today we are doing 1989's When Harry Met Sally. Um, this was a first time watch for me, but and I think for Mo as well. This is our yeah. first time. And we wanted to do this movie because it has a very iconic New Year's Eve ending. So it felt very fitting to finish off the year with. I was really excited to see this movie 
I've heard it talked about so much. There are so many mm-hmm. like iconic scenes. It also takes place in New York. Mm-hmm. It's always exciting to see like all of the sites that like we have gone to and know. Yeah. And just like Billy Crystal, yeah. Meg Ryan. I have never. Carrie Fisher. I know. Oh my God. I've never found <laughs> Billy Crystal attractive until this movie. I was like, oh. I was literally going to text you while I was watching. I was like, Am I attracted to Billy Crystal right now? Like, what's happening? It's like an insane thing to utter, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, I get it. With I his, understand. Like, big old windows, his amazing apartment. I was like, and that chunky white sweater. I was like, I'm feeling seduced right now. I know it was so weird, but yeah, I mean, yeah. this movie wasn't like really a commercial hit. It only made ninety two point <laughs> eight million dollars. <laughs> In the box office. Yeah, on a $16 million budget. So I'd say it did pretty, pretty well and has definitely Mm -hmm. gone down in history as probably one of the best rom-coms of all time. I feel like it's usually top of the list a lot of the time. Yeah, on like the AFI list of like Mm rom-coms, I think it's like top 10 or top five. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like everyone knows this movie too. Like everyone knows about it. Yeah. All of the like snippets and interviews between the action of the film are real life love stories, which was mm. crazy to hear because some were like very, very silly. There's one in particular that I loved where they like kept talking over each other where I was like, yeah. this couple is incredible. <laughs> is that the one where he's like, and then I, I was, I married this girl, we got divorced. Yeah, you got divorced. No, it's the one where it's like, oh yeah, we, we were both born like in the same oh, hospital yeah. a week apart we lived in the tenement houses and then we met in this elevator in chicago that one yeah, in the ambassador hotel yeah <laughs> so good yeah spoiler alert at the end of the movie they get together and the original ending of the film was actually that harry and sally were not going to end up together because mm-hmm. i believe the director had just recently either separated or gotten divorced from Penny Marshall, his wife, and was kind of like using this movie as a more cynical look on love, but through the course of the movie actually ended up falling in love with somebody else. And so he was like, well, maybe love isn't so bad after all. And Ah. they changed the ending so that Harry and Sally got together. And I think him and Billy Crystal actually wrote that like ending monologue together. And Billy Crystal came up with the line, like the famous line, you know, when you find the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, you want the rest of your life to start right away. So mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, there were a lot of um, inspiration pieces from their actual life. Mm-hmm. Like Nora Ephron wrote the screenplay, like made the structure of the film, but apparently a lot of the dialogue was based on the friendship between Rob Reiner and Billy Crystal. Like the scenes where um, he and Sally are on the phone and it's like a split screen and they're talking while watching a movie um, and channel surfing. That was something Billy Crystal and Rob Reiner did every night. Yeah. And it was also like, um, I can't remember which movie it is, but it's like an homage to a rom-com from like the 50s or the 60s, I think called like Pillow Talk or something like that, um, where they have like a lot of that split screen phone call stuff. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Billy Crystal, he actually wasn't the initial casting choice that they were going to go for for Harry. They initially offered it to Tom Hanks. They also considered uh, Michael Keaton, but ultimately did pick Billy Crystal. And I think for Sally, um, Rob Reiner wanted Susan Day initially to play 
her, but she turned down the role and they approached Elizabeth Perkins, Elizabeth McGovern, and also Molly Ringwald, who actually was going to do the movie, but she had scheduling conflicts. So she Mm. had to drop out. But then she regrets that. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because she also turned down Pretty Woman. And I'm like, how different? Oh, no. Things would have been. Yeah. Who was your agent, girl? <laughs> someone should have not fucked this up for you. I know. Someone but. led her astray. But yeah, it ended mm-hmm. up going to Meg Ryan. And that started like the beginning of Meg Ryan and Nora Ephron's kind of like partnership. They also did Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail together. Yeah. I definitely couldn't see Tom Hanks being this role just because I can't. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen him as this like super sarcastic, rude guy. Have you seen A League of Their Own? Oh, no, I haven't. Mm. He plays like kind of a a, a rough around the edges, like mm-hmm. meaner guy in A League of Their Own. So I, okay. I could see him pulling this off. But I do love like a teddy bear Tom Hanks moment. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think Billy Crystal really played the jerk very well. But with that being said, should we just – jump right into it yeah let's do it so we start off with this old couple sitting together they're being interviewed and this man is recounting a story about how back in the day he was sitting in this restaurant with a friend when this beautiful girl walked in and he turned to his friend and was like i'm gonna marry that girl and two (laughs) weeks later they were married And it's been 50 years still together. I feel like it was so common to get married to someone quickly back then. And now it's like we've been engaged for five years or like Mm -hmm. they're super long engagements, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I'm just like, you know, what changed? What happened? Because I think my my grandparents on my mom's side got married after like a month. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, like personally, I wouldn't want to – marry someone without living with them first oh yeah i think that's definitely like millennial Mm -hmm. gen i don't know if gen z is like even old enough (laughs) but like (laughs) yeah i feel like that's like pretty common now Mm -hmm. um i mean my parents were married after like less than a year like just under a year yeah i think my parents were together for a year as well yeah yeah i'm thinking about christina g's parents who like Mm -hmm. right off the bat were pretty much like insanely in love yeah which is like a really beautiful story. Oh, yeah. If you ever have the pleasure of, of sitting down with our friend's parents and they, do, <laughs> yeah. they tell you the story, it did make me cry when they told it. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah. So we go to the University of Chicago in 1977. Harry tells his girlfriend he loves her and they make out on campus. And this woman, Sally, played by Meg Ryan, is – um. The girlfriend's friend, the girlfriend's name is Amanda, and she, like, drives her car up to them and is just kind of, like, waiting there, like, hello. (laughs) And it turns out – I keep wanting to say Meg Ryan. It turns out (laughs) Sally and Harry are both moving to New York. They've just graduated, and they are carpooling over there. Pretty bold. I guess this Mm -hmm. is how people used to do it. They're just like, oh, my friend's also going to New York. Yeah. Why don't you drive together? Naturally. So Harry's girlfriend is like, um, call me from the road. And he's like, oh, I'll call before then. Like just very like, mwah, 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 <laughs> goodbye. 
Sally honks the horn. She's like, let's get a move on. And Harry gets in the car and they start their road trip to New York. Yeah. So as they're driving, Sally is explaining, you know, we can split up the driving, six shifts, three hours each. I have this whole map where we, like, can switch off. She's very, like, organized. She's very kind of straight-laced, whereas Mm -hmm. Harry is, like, reaching in the back for the biggest bunch of grapes that I've ever fucking (laughs) seen and just starts, like, munching on the grapes. He offers her some, and she's like, no, I don't eat between meals. And then he goes to, like, spit the seeds out the window, but the window is rolled up, so it just, like – Insane. Splats right against. And if somebody did that in my car, I would be like, what the fuck? Like, get out. (laughs) Don't do that. But he does roll down the window to spit out the seeds. And he's like, okay, so tell me the story of your life. We got 18 hours to go. And she's like, well, the story of my life won't even get us out of Chicago. Nothing's happened to me yet. And she basically ends up explaining that she's going to New York to go to journalism school and she wants to become a reporter. And he's like, oh, so you can write about what happens to other people. What if nothing ever happens to you? What if you never meet anybody and you never become anything and you become one of those New York City desks that nobody notices until they smell your dead body in the hallway? How presumptuous. Bold. Again, this is a stranger. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, yeah, your girlfriend Amanda did mention that you had a dark side. And he kind of pegs Sally as one of those more, like, cheerful, optimistic people. He's quite pretentious. Like, he goes on this whole tirade about how when he buys a new book, he always reads the last page first. So in case he dies before he finishes reading the book, he'll always know how it ended. And she's like – she totally calls him on his shit. And she's like, that doesn't make you, like, deep or anything. Right. Just because you, like, think about death. I am basically a happy person and there's nothing wrong with that. And he's just like, yeah, like, I think about death a lot. That way when it comes, I'm going to be prepared. (laughs) And she's like, okay, well, you're going to ruin your life just waiting for death then. So good luck with that. We have a little little back and forth here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The egos are being challenged. Mm -hmm. So later on, they're arguing about the ending of Casablanca And she says she would rather be in a loveless marriage and be the first lady of Czechoslovakia than be stuck in Casablanca married to a bar owner. And he's like, okay, you obviously haven't had great sex. (laughs) And I'm like, you so clearly have just graduated from college. Like the dialogue is just so like young 20s. I know everything. But also hysterical that they want us to think that Billy Crystal looks like he's 22. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they walk into this diner and the whole place is hearing like Sally protest that she has had plenty of good sex. So And they sit down and he's like, okay, yeah, then who have you had good sex with? And eventually she's like, Shell Gordon. And Harry's like, Sheldon can do your taxes, okay? But humping and pumping is not oh, his God. game. Shell, Sheldon. That doesn't sound sexy. So the waitress comes over and she takes their order. Harry is like, I'll have the number three. And Sally is like, I'd like the chef salad, um, dressing on the side, blah, blah. Like just the longest order. Mm -hmm. Harry is like in awe of her escapades. (laughs) And I think it's like the apple pie a la mode that she asks for ice cream with, but strawberry instead of vanilla. 
And if you don't have vanilla or strawberry, nothing. And they're like, not even the pie. And she's like, no, just the pie, but not warmed up. Yeah. And whipped cream, but only if it's fresh, not if it's from the can. <laughs> that is something that Phil's dad would say, I yeah. think. Or maybe even <laughs> Phil at a restaurant. But yeah, yeah she's particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After this, Harry asks why she broke up with Sheldon. And she's like, it's none of your business. But eventually she tells him it's because he got very jealous because she had these days of the week underwear and she never wore Sunday. And when she told him why, he didn't believe her. And it's because they don't make Sunday because of God, apparently. (laughs) Is that real? I mean, I've never had days of the week underwear, so I don't know. I guess it makes sense if you're like religious where it's like, oh, I don't want like God panties i guess like you don't want them don't referencing know. like god's day i i feel like the day of the week underwear was very early 2000s yeah or i guess i mean this is the late 80s but or i guess the 70s at this point yeah it's oh, like 77 yeah. yeah i did have a, a day of the week underwear but like this was when mm. i was a child it was like cute right. it had like a frog on it yeah. <laughs> so after their meal harry is giving sally this like look And he's like, you're very attractive. And he's like, Amanda never mentioned how attractive you are. And Sally's like, oh, maybe Amanda doesn't think I'm attractive. And he's like, well, it's not a matter of opinion. You're just attractive. And just why would this guy come on to her? They just met. She's friends with his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And she's immediately offended. I, I feel like most people would be. Yeah. She's like. I don't want you coming on to me. Like, stop. But Harry is like, oh, no, I'm just telling you you're attractive. And he's like, okay, let's say for the sake of argument, I was hitting on you. What do you want me to do? Take it back? And she's like, you can't take it back. It's already out there. So just let it lie. And he's like, oh, great. That's what I always say. Let (laughs) it lie. Want to spend the night at a motel? And she's like, we're just going to be friends. Mm Mm-hmm. So this begins the whole, like, thesis of the film. Mm-hmm. As, like, they're driving, he tells her that, you know, just so you know, I wasn't coming on to you, but men and women can't be friends. And she naturally asks why. And he says because the sex part always gets in the way. And she says that she has plenty of male friends where there's no sex involved. And he's like, oh, no, you only think that you do, but, like, they all want to have sex with you. And he says that no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive because he will always want to have sex with her. Even the unattractive ones, they also want to have sex with. So the friendship is ultimately doomed. And even if, like, she doesn't want to have sex with him, it doesn't matter because he always will. Like, that's his whole idea. Do you have an opinion about this? I don't know. I guess, like, I don't think that, like, every single man, like, wants to have sex with all of his female friends, but I do think a lot of men have a hard time seeing women in non-sexual contexts. So even if it isn't active, it's the type of thing of, like, oh, if she wanted to, then I would. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like there is what men and women or, like, people in general, right, can be friends, mm-hmm. but a lot of times – it's like, oh, if the circumstances were right, yeah. like we probably would. Mm-hmm. But I have plenty of male friends who I've never slept with. Oh, same. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, 
Yeah. It, it is just very interesting how he's very cut and dry. Like, mm-hmm. it's done. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. So that's like a you problem. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think that's like a problem that a lot of men have where they don't always see women as like full people and yeah, more so just as either sexual or romantic pursuits and if not useless. But I do kind of wonder what overall statement the movie is trying to make by the fact that in the end they do end up together mm-hmm. and the sex does end up getting in the way is the movie agreeing that it's not possible for men and women to be friends i guess that's what it's trying to say i get, i'll i'll yeah leave my thoughts to the end but i do have some questions about what the movie is trying to say mm-hmm. yeah yeah well we'll we'll get to it we'll get to it yeah but basically Sally ends up just telling him then they aren't going to be friends, uh, which is too bad because he's the only person that she knows in New York. Yes. So they finally get to the big apple baby and Sally drops off Harry at Washington Square Park, which I'm like, I'm sorry, does he have an apartment in Greenwich Village? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Where is this me? money coming from? Like, I guess it's a little right. bit cheaper in the 70s, but like. Yeah, I don't know. 22 fresh out of college? I guess maybe it was possible back in the 70s. Yeah. I mean, people always say in the 70s, I think it was like Needle Park was Washington Square Park. Like there were. Yeah. There was a lot of like drug addiction happening in the park. But. That's true. He thanks her for the ride and says it was nice knowing her. And they shake hands and she's like, have a nice life. And he says the same to her and they go their separate ways. And we get this like very nice aerial shot of her car and him walking towards the arch. Yeah. Then we get another documentary insert and it's this older couple talking about how they were high school sweethearts and then he moved away and then they randomly saw each other in New York and it was like not a day went by. They're married and very happy now. So then time jump five years later, we see Sally making out with this guy in the airport. Uh, She's got her fluffy 80s hair going on. Oh, yeah. And who walks by but Mr. Harold. What's his last name? Harry. Oof. I don't know. Something. Because she's Sally Albright. Yeah, she is. Harry Burns. God, what a name to be bullied with when you're... A child. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. So he walks by, he like sees them and pauses for a second and goes by and is like, so they stop making out. And he's like, I thought I recognize you, but it's not Sally that he recognizes. No, no, it is the guy that she's making out with, Joe, her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you in forever. Like, blah, blah, blah. They're both lawyers, as it turns out. So I guess he moved to New York to go to law school. And that's when Joe introduces Harry to Sally. She obviously recognizes him, but he can't quite place her. Like, he knows this is a familiar person. Right. But doesn't really know exactly. So he ends up, like saying goodbye, going off to catch his plane. And after he walks away, Sally is like, oh, thank God that guy can't place me. Five (laughs) years ago, I drove with him from college to New York, and it was the longest night of my life. He asks what happened, and Sally tells him that he made a pass at her, and like she turned him down because he was going out with a friend of hers. And she was like, who is that friend? I don't even remember her name. Oh, my yikes. Oh, my God. 
So Joe asks, you know, what happened after she turned him down? And she says that basically recounts Harry's whole theory about men and women not being able to be friends and asks Joe if he thinks that's true. And he says, no, I don't think that's true. But then also says he doesn't have any female friends. But he's like, you know, I can get some if that's important to you. And her and Joe say goodbye. He tells her that he misses her and also that he loves her, which is the first time that that's been said. And she also says it back. She's like, you do? Yeah. Initially, I was like, okay, so they've been together for a while. But we learn like very shortly that they've only been together for like a month. And I'm like, that's – I mean, I guess it's not like that quick depending on how much time you spend together. But a month seems like a little quick to me. Yeah. I think that I waited a month to tell Phil that I love him. But – I kind of just knew. Yeah. Which I would usually be like, that is very quick. Mm. But sometimes when you know, you yeah, know. Yeah, true. true. I don't know. Also, when someone's about to go on a plane, I feel like you're ready to just be yeah. like. <laughs> ready to I risk it all. Like, I don't know. There's something about <laughs> going in the, the metal aeroplane. Yeah, the metal tube in the sky. Who knows right. what could happen. <laughs> so they get on the plane, which – Also, I was just thinking about the fact that he must have been right up at her gate. Like she was about to board Mm -hmm. because back then security wasn't the same. Yeah. 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 So crazy. So they get on the plane and while they're in the sky, Sally is just like staring off dreamily. She's probably thinking about how Joe just said, I love you. She's in her own bubble. Mm. And Harry (laughs) is such a little like – I don't know how to describe him. He's just so, like, mousy the way he just, like, he's, like, creeping up on her. He's a lurker. He lurks a lot in this movie, actually. He's a lurker. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And the flight attendant comes over, and Sally's like, oh, I'd like a Bloody Mary, please. Regular tomato juice, not too much ice. Fill it up about three-quarters of the way, and then a splash of the Bloody Mary mix. Just a splash <laughs> and a little slice of lime, but on the side. And then Harry leans over his seat and he's like, like, I "I remember you you now. (laughs) The University of Chicago, right? And he asked her if she looked this good while she was at the University of Chicago and if they had ever hooked up. And Sally is like, no. And then turns to the man next to her and says that they drove together from Chicago to New York after graduation. And this passenger is like, oh, would you like to sit together then? And Sally is like, absolutely not. Harry's like, would love to, man. Let's, hey, get up right now. So he starts talking to Sally and he's like, oh, yeah, the girl I was going with. uh, I can't remember her name. And she's just like, it's Amanda. Like, I can't believe you don't even remember her name. And I'm like, you little hypocrite. You just (laughs) forgot her name. Poor Amanda. I hope she's doing well. I hope her life turned out good. She shook these two. She's probably doing great. Yeah. (laughs) So he starts to ask, you know, whatever happened to Amanda? And Sally's like, oh, I don't know. Like, we didn't really keep in touch. And he's like, wow, you didn't even keep in touch? And, like, she's the one who kept us apart that night. Like, oh, my God. God. I hope it was worth it because, you know, that sacrifice you made by not sleeping with me for your dear old friend. And she's like, um, first of all. I never considered it a sacrifice that I didn't get to sleep with you. I did not want to. But they just kind of catch up. They talk about how she did end up becoming a journalist. She works at the news. Is that what she says? I work at the news? She says – yeah, she says the news, which I feel like is a fake, like, um, 
not New York Times, but maybe like yeah. Washington Post or something. Something like that, yeah. So she's a journalist now. And Harry's like, oh, yeah, how long have you and Joe been dating? But guesses immediately, like, it's been three weeks, right? And she's like, it's been a month, but, like, how do you know that? <laughs> and he says that taking somebody to the airport is beginning of their relationship behavior, and that's why he doesn't do it, because he doesn't want that expectation. So later on, the girl will be like, hey, how come you never take me to the airport anymore? So she then, again, very dramatic, calls him the angel of death, which – Seems like a bit of a stretch just because he, like, might be a shitty boyfriend. But <laughs> he then asks if she's going to marry him. And Sally says that neither of them are looking to get married right now. And Harry actually says that he's getting married to a fellow lawyer named Helen Hilson. And Sally is very shocked and actually starts laughing at the thought of him getting married. But says, you know, it's very optimistic. And he says, you know, that's what falling madly in love does to you. And besides getting tired of that single guy lifestyle and he talks about the you know having to date women and like the dread of having to hold them you know post coitus and that you're just counting down the seconds before you can leave and go home and she's like is that what all men are really thinking and he's like yep every single one and he bets that sally likes to be held all night and tells her that that's her problem he thinks he has it all figured out. Oh, totally. It's so insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> so they arrive at the airport and they're on the um, walkway. And Harry just comes up to Sally and is like, hey, want to have dinner tonight? Just friends. And she's like, um, no. Remember our drive? You said men and women can't be friends. And he's like, oh, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember. Like if both people are in a relationship, though, then it's okay. Well, Actually, not really, because the partner wouldn't understand why you need to be friends with that person. And he asks Sally where that leaves them. And she's like, goodbye, Harry. So we then get another interview with an old couple. And they say that they were married over 40 years ago, but then they got married after three years. And then this guy got married and divorced like two other times. And then they ended up running into each other at a funeral. Well, he had another date to this funeral, too. A date to a funeral. Crazy talk. Absolutely crazy. And he's like, oh, what are you doing after this? So they ended up getting coffee. He ditched his date. And they got remarried 35 years to the day after their first marriage. Mm -hmm. Back in New York, Sally is having drinks with some of her girlfriends and her friend Marie, played by Carrie Fisher. Yes. Right? Yeah. Such a young character. Like, I did not recognize her when I saw her in this movie. I knew she was in this movie prior, so I, like, expected to see her. But I genuinely don't think, apart from now this movie, that I've seen her in anything other than Star Wars and one mm -hmm. episode of Sex and the City. I think that's literally it. Yeah. I haven't seen too much of her work either, so I was like, well, I honestly don't watch a lot of movies from – the nine or sorry the 80s yeah like i've never seen 16 candles and some of the like <gasps> really gosh. big classics so we'll have to do like an 80s month or like a john hughes month yeah. or something. yeah for sure let us know if you're interested we'll make it happen so sally has drinks with her girlfriends and maria's like oh i've been seeing this guy or well they they're aware she's having an affair mm -hmm. with one of her like co-workers or bosses and she says that he found this receipt for a dining room table that he bought with his wife 
so he's never going to leave her. And Alice is like, oh, I knew lots of nice men when I was single. Like Sally find a, found a nice man, but she found the last one. And Sally reveals that they actually broke up three days ago. Mm. And she's like, well, we've been growing apart for a while. And Maria's like, well, you had someone to go places with. You had a date on national holidays. But Sally is like, you know, I said to myself, I deserve more than this. I'm 31. And her friends are like, the clock is ticking. <laughs> but Sally's like, that's not true. The clock doesn't actually begin ticking until 36. And Alice is like, you're in great shape, which I mean is true. Mm -hmm. She's also been playing like a 22-year-old to a 36-year-old yeah. in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and Sally tells them she feels okay. And Marie pulls out her Rolodex of men. Classic. A lot of Rolodexes <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. But Sally says she doesn't want to go. And then is like, like, who do you have there? So Marie picks out some names, but she turns them down. And Maria's like, okay, well, don't wait too long because the right man is probably out there right now. And if you wait too long, you'll have to live your life knowing that someone else married your husband. This kind of like scarcity model thinking is just not healthy, ladies. <laughs> don't don't worry if you're out there dating. You're going to find the right one at the right time. Yeah. Nobody else is going to nab him because if they do, that wasn't the one for you. Right? That's what I think. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is probably on the older side of like women in movies who are like, oh, I, I like the clock is ticking mm -hmm. or like not the clock is ticking, the opposite of her being like okay with being single right now. Right. Yeah. Because I always feel like women in movies are like, I'm, I'm turning 30. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. So it was refreshing that she was like, oh, definitely. Ladies, come on. 30s are young. Don't believe what teenagers on TikTok are telling you saying that you like turn into a corpse when you're 30 because – Are teenagers saying that? They're children and That's they don't psychotic. know what they're talking yeah. about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we then cut over to Harry who is at a Giants game with his friend Jess and he ends up revealing that his marriage – is ending. Yeah. She basically says that she doesn't know if she wants to be married anymore and suggests a trial separation, but Harry didn't want to go for it. And he ended up asking her if she still loves him. And she said that she wasn't sure if she ever loved him, which is brutal. Huge ego brutal. hit. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And Jess is like, that's harsh. Like, I'm a writer. I write dialogue. That's a fucking killer. Mm -hmm. Harry explains that his wife, Helen, decided to move into a friend's apartment. And as soon as she even, like, breathed the word sublet, movers show up to the house. She booked them a week prior. So she's been planning this for a minute. And it turns out that it wasn't that she just left him for no reason. She actually moved in with a tax attorney who she fell in love with because he, like, followed her. So she was having an affair. Mm -hmm. And he basically tells Jess that he knew something like this would happen. Like, even when they were happy, he knew it was just all an illusion. And Jess is like, listen, marriages don't break up due to infidelity. It's a symptom that something else is wrong. And Harry goes, well, that symptom is fucking my wife. So. Yikes. Yikes. Also, the whole time this is happening, I thought that the juxtaposition of this was 
very funny where he's telling this like harrowing story about his wife leaving him and every like 30 seconds they mm-hmm. have to get up and do the wave because it's going around the the stadium yeah <laughs> like everyone's yeah. enjoying this like football game and they're just like having this deep talk and yeah. doing the wave and he's like my life my wife left me Woo! and she said yeah. that she never loved me <laughs> Woo! i would have a hard time keeping a straight face for that oh totally so we cut to Shakespeare and Co. and Marie and Sally are hanging out. And Marie's like, I saw his Amex bill. And Sally's like, You saw his Amex bill. And she's like, Oh, well, he left it out like in his briefcase. <laughs> and he bought this $150 nightgown for his wife. He's never going to leave her. And Sally's like, No one thinks he's going to leave her. So Marie notices this man staring at Sally. It's Harry. And Sally tells her that she'd like him because he's married. And she asks Sally how she knows this man and how, he, you know, she knows he's married. And she tells her that when she saw him six years ago, he was about to be married. And she's like, okay, well, probably isn't married anymore. <laughs> and Sally tells her that he's also obnoxious. And that's when Marie reminds her of this book, The Lady Vanishes, where the woman says, you are the most obnoxious man I've ever met. And then they end up falling madly in love. Classic enemies to lovers. Exactly. So Harry comes over and he calls out to Sally and he's like, oh, how's Joe? And she tells him that they're not together anymore. They just broke up. And she asks him about married life. And he's like, oh, we're getting a divorce. So Harry's like, what are you going to do? Like, what happened with you and Joe? So Sally and Harry end up going to a restaurant, and Sally talks about her relationship with Joe, how they just didn't want the same things anymore, because at first, neither of them wanted to get married, because all of their friends that got married would just talk about how as soon as they got married and had kids, like, it ruined their relationship, and they never had sex anymore. And they love the fact that they weren't married and they lived together so that they could just, like, go off to Rome at a moment's notice or, like, have sex on the kitchen floor and not have to worry about anything. And then one day she was babysitting her friend Alice's daughter and they were playing I Spy. And the little girl sees a family and goes, like, oh, I Spy, a family. And Sally just started to cry because she realized that that is actually something that she wanted. And so she went home and talked to Joe and was like, you know, even this life that we do have, we never just jet off to Rome and we also never have sex on the kitchen floor. So she told him what she wanted. He didn't want the same. They ended it. But she says she feels fine about it. Like as soon as it ended, she knew that like that was all that he could give her and it wasn't enough. And that was it. And Harry just sits there and is looking at her and is like, that sounds really healthy. I couldn't tell if he was being sarcastic or not. I think he sees it as like a, a – I think he's kind of taken aback by how stoic she is. Right. Um, Because she is so like resolved with this breakup even though it happened like probably a week ago or so at this point. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why he's he's kind of taken aback where it's like on paper that sounds really healthy but you seem like so cold about it. That, like, yeah, are you okay? Like, that type of reaction is what I was kind of reading. Yeah, same. That's why I was like, I can't tell if he's like, oh, that sounds really like, he's like, that sounds really reasonable right. of you right. to have that reaction. Um, so on their walk home, Sally is like, you know, at least I got the apartment. And Harry's like, I don't know why everyone always says that. Like, at least I got the apartment. 
but finding an apartment is easy. And I'm like, whew. Not today. Not not today, sir. (laughs) Not in the day of street easy. Right? Snatched up immediately. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you just have to check the obituaries and then go tip the doorman. And he suggests that they combine the obituaries and the real estate section. You know, this man was survived by his wife and two kids and a lovely three-bedroom apartment on the Lower East Side. (laughs) And they, like, giggle a little bit. And he tells her when they first met, he didn't like her that much. And she's like, I didn't like you. And he's like, oh, yeah, you did, but you were too uptight then. You're much softer now. And she's like, I hate that. When you say something, it sounds like a compliment, but it's actually an insult. I just didn't want to sleep with you. And you wrote that off as a character flaw rather than the fact that it might have something to do with you. Love that line. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, well, what's the statute of limitations on apologies? And she's like, 10 years. And he's like, okay, perfect. Made it just under the wire. (laughs) And she asks if he wants to have dinner sometime. And he's like, oh, are we becoming friends now? And she's like, yes. I'm curious what you think about this moment because – because I, I think there's a lot of really great like subtext work that everybody's doing in this movie. And mm-hmm. I think when she asks him out to dinner, she's asking him out on a date. And he assumes it's friends. Ooh. Because when he's like, are we becoming friends now? She kind of like pauses and is like, yeah. So I was like, oh, I wonder if she meant it as a date. Because she also knows that he doesn't think that men and women can be friends. Right. I guess in the moment when I was watching it, I thought that she was asking him to hang out as friends, but there is a lot of, I say something, I pause, I'm looking at you, but you can't see me looking at you. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll never know. But. I would say either way makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much going on between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I also find it very interesting I think she likes his, like, slight arrogance. I think she finds it, like, challenging. Totally. And she likes to be challenged, for sure. Like, she's not the, interested in, like, a dull conversation. No, definitely not. Yeah. I, one thing that I really just enjoyed the most about this movie is the fact that there is so much dialogue. Because I feel like in a lot of rom-coms that we see nowadays – there's just not these like very long scenes of just dialogue. I feel like there's so much like, oh, we got to push the plot forward and we got to have this weird random like right. crazy thing that's happening. And I just love these like simple scenes of the two of them just talking. It's like so delicious. There's so much subtext between like everything that they're saying, especially as we like go on through the movie where we get more of their relationship being like deepened. And I'm like – Just, like, give us more dialogue, people. That's where the meat is. Well, yeah, I think that's totally also has to do with, like, pushing movies out very quickly Mm -hmm. or developing a movie just based on people they want to cast or what's interesting at the moment because of the internet and ideas moving so quickly. Yeah. Um, But her writing is super, super rich. It was very hard to take notes on because Mm -hmm. the dialogue was so good. I was like, oh, by summarizing it, I'm like detracting from the richness of like the dialogue between them. But totally, I definitely think that because when they do these slice of life moments, even with time jumping around or Mm -hmm. things happening, like we really get a, a very good understanding of their personalities. Yeah. So you kind of start like, 
rooting for the characters or you're like, okay, but she didn't really want that. She wanted this. Mm -hmm. And you can tell because you got to know them really well. Um, Exactly. And that is why people keep watching this rom-com and a lot of new rom-coms are like flashes in the pan. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe people – I think I read that this took her five years to write the screenplay for. And I mean, unless you're a really Mm well-known screenwriter, like no one's going to give you that time. Definitely not. Yeah. And like I know that there's like a lot of pressure on writers now because the cycle is so fast to like produce, 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 produce. Like you have to always have like your next project. And there's so many deadlines from studios, especially because like they aren't really investing in mid-tier movies the way that they used to, Mm -hmm. where it either needs to be a blockbuster or it's going straight to streaming. And there's like no in-between. Whereas, you know, mid-movies like this or other rom-coms of the time don't um, get the same investment and therefore they don't get the same time to be developed. Yeah. And then it suffers and then it just just feeds into the cycle of them not being as good and then people not going to see them and then people making less of them. But, you know, I could go on a whole tirade about the industry. (laughs) Anyways, back to this movie. So we then cut to another old couple And this is my favorite one where they talk about how they were born in the same hospital a week apart. They both grew up a block away from each other in the tenements. And then, like, his family moved up to the Bronx. She moved to 183rd. They're, like, constantly talking over each other, (laughs) filling in, like, the blanks of the story. She worked as a nurse in the same building that he had a practice in, but they never met. But eventually, like years later, they met in an elevator in a hotel in Chicago. She was on, or he was on the third floor. She was on the twelfth, and he wrote up nine extra floors just to keep talking uh, to her. And you know, back in those days, I'm sure the elevator was slow as shit. Mm-hmm. That man had to take an extra extra half hour of his <laughs> yeah. time just to get back to his hotel room. Absolutely, and that is also one of those things where it's like cute if you like the guy creepy if you do not very fine line yep very fine line but at that point i feel like it is on the onus of the person doing the following to tell to be like yes oh are we having a conversation or am i talking at you and do you want to go <laughs> yeah am i making this person uncomfortable should i get off the elevator now or should i keep going right yeah so Over a montage, we hear Harry and Sally having a phone call. They're both watching Casablanca, and he reminds her that once she said she would pick Victor Laszlo over Humphrey Bogart. And she's like, I never said that. (laughs) And he asks her if she's been sleeping because he hasn't and talks about how he misses Helen. And Sally's like, I went to bed at 7.30 last night. And also during this, like, I think he's reading a book at one point. She's doing this, like, jazzercise class. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's like, the last time I went to bed at 7.30, I was in like third grade. And he's like, that's the good thing about depression. You get your rest. And they talk about if they still sleep on the same side of the bed. And she says she used to, but now she takes up the whole thing. And Harry's like, wow, that's amazing because I feel weird when my leg just wanders over and I miss Helen. And she's like, I don't miss Joe. I just miss the idea of him. Which is a very, again, disassociated Mm -hmm. notion. Yeah. Because you can tell that she's definitely going through something. Mm -hmm. But every time she talks about Joe, it's like, yep. I don't miss him at all. Gotta end it. Don't think about it. It's fine. Right. 
So they get to the last scene of the movie and Harry talks about how Ingrid Bergman is low maintenance. And Sally is like, low maintenance? And he's like, yeah, there are two types of women, high maintenance and low maintenance. And I'm like, you have to get over this. <laughs> you have to stop He sees the world in very black and white terms. Yeah, he doesn't really have a lot of space for nuance. Which also I'm like – even though I find him so infuriating, I'm like, you're such a juicy little character. Oh, totally. Like, I couldn't look away. The psyche, my God. <laughs> right. And so Sally asks him if she is low maintenance or high maintenance. Sweetie. <laughs> Sweetheart. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, you're the worst kind. You think you're low maintenance, but you're actually high maintenance. And references her very particular ordering style. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just want things the way I want them. And he's like, I know. And then says Casablanca has the best line of a movie. I can't remember what the line was. Isn't it, um, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship? Isn't that the last line of Casablanca? Yeah. Yes. After that, he says he thinks he's coming down with a tumor. And (laughs) she's like, you should go see like a doctor. And he's Mm. like, oh, they'll say I have nothing. And she's like, will you be able to sleep tonight? And he's like, you know, if not, I'll be okay. I'll just stay up and moan and starts like mimicking moaning <laughs> on the phone. And she laughs. They hang up. And Sally tucks herself into bed. And before turning off the light, though, she kind of just sits for a second. Mm-hmm. I really like it because it's like, is she thinking about the fact that she might be sad and depressed too? Is she thinking about the fact that she wishes – that they were in the same room right now. Like, mm-hmm. what is she thinking about? But she turns off the light and Harry sits up moaning <laughs> and then eventually turns off the light. I really loved um, this whole like sequence. And I think it was super smart to overlay their phone call over this montage of not only them alone, but also them. Like we see them sitting down for dinner and st- like yeah. hanging out and stuff like that. I'm like, Every second of this movie is used so purposefully that even with a montage, we are still getting dialogue and character and relationship development between the two of them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was like no wasted real estate here. There's a portion of it where they cut to like them in a Chinese restaurant, I believe, and she's Mm -hmm. like doing one for a complex order. Yeah. And I also love the the split screen when we do see them on the phone together. And they actually lined yeah. up the – I was noticing that they lined up the pillows perfectly, that they are totally in line across both of their screens. Um, so if you just blur your eyes a little bit, it does look like they're sitting in bed together. Well, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so we then see Harry and Sally walking on the street and through Central Park. It is fall. We have like the gorgeous shot of like the oh, autumnal foliage. She also is wearing that amazing fit with like the hat and the vest and like the gray pants and everything, the little gloves. She has like some trouser game. Oh, Her absolutely. Game is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has great style through this whole movie. And Harry tells Sally about this like recurring dream that he has where he's having sex in front of like the Olympic judges and they're giving him scores. And then she tells him about a recurring dream that she's had since she and she tells him about a recurring dream that she has had since she was 12 years old. And it's that a faceless man comes over and like rips her clothes off. <laughs> and that's it. And he's like, that's it. Like, that's your fantasy. And she's like, well, sometimes it'll vary. He's like, what do you mean? She's like, sometimes I'm wearing different things. 
So we then go to the Met and they're walking around. What is that area called? I have no idea. The Temple of Dender. Dendor. The Temple of Dendor is what it's called. Um, It's in the Met. And you can walk through it. There's like water around it and stuff. And they basically are doing this little bit where he picks this accent for them to talk in for the rest of the day. (laughs) And he, like, teaches her the accent. And she, like, fully commits to the bit. She's doing the accent. It's actually, like, very cute. I really enjoyed this little moment. And then in the accent, he asks if she wants to go to the movies tonight. And she just, like, repeats it as if he's still teaching her the accent. He's like, no, no. Like, do you want to go to the movies tonight? And she then drops the accent and is like, oh, actually – I can't. And he's like, why, why? You got like a hot date or something? And she's like, um, yeah, actually I do have a date tonight. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know if I should tell you because we've been spending so much time together. And he's like, I think that's great. I think it's great you have a date. And she's kind of like surprised that he's happy for her. And he's like, is this what you're going to wear though? And I'm like, oh, it's a great fit, okay? <laughs> he's only saying that because he wants to take her out tonight. Absolutely. And she's like, yeah, like this is what I'm going to wear. And he's like, I think you should wear skirts more. You look really great in skirts. And she's like, really? And they have a smile. And like Sally is definitely feeling something. Mm-hmm. But she then quickly covers that up, of course, and is like, you know, I think you should put yourself out there more. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not ready. Like, I don't have anything to offer anybody right now. But she tells him that it's time. Back at the apartment, Sally is wearing a skirt. Mm, Looks like someone took that to heart. Right. They're, like, setting up a carpet in his um, apartment that we kind of see earlier on that after Helen leaves – the apartment is like barren. Yeah. And it, they're kind of like trying to bring it back to a home. So while they're doing this, Harry is like, the day that he had was the most uncomfortable night of his life. And Sally's like, really? Because on my date, the guy reached over, pulled out a strand of my hair, and started flossing with it. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Unbelievable. So Harry says that that's a dream compared to his. They went to an Ethiopian restaurant and he was cracking jokes, but she didn't laugh. Super like inappropriate joke, but mm-hmm. um, so they shifted into small talk and he finds out that this girl went to Michigan State, which made him think of Helen. <laughs> and Sally's like, why? And it turns out it's because she also went to a Big Ten school. Like, yeah, <laughs> just so tangential Mm -hmm. but then he got a massive anxiety attack and he had to leave the restaurant and she's like it'll just take time you know it might be months before we enjoy going out with someone new and even longer before we go to bed with anyone but harry's like oh no i went to bed with her girly pop who went on this date come on lady like how did that even happen i mean maybe she went out after him and they like were like let's just leave right I couldn't leave if I had ordered Ethiopian food. It is so good. Yeah, no, I'm not leaving. Let me take it to go. (laughs) Yeah, let me take it to go. I'm going to enjoy my time away from this dude who's clearly reclaiming my time. (laughs) And I'm going to eat my delicious dinner. Startup Radio is a media platform that talks with the future movers and shakers of the German startup scene. Our entrepreneurs and investors come to us to give us their longest, most personal, and sometimes even first English interview. This way, 
you can keep up to date with the startup happenings in Europe's largest economy. Whether you're looking for the latest startup news or want to hear from some of the most innovative minds in the business, we have you covered. So we then go over to Harry and his friend Jess. They are like hitting baseballs out of like the machine that shoots base. I don't know what it's called. You know They're what the batting cages. About. There we go. That's what it is. The batting cages. The I was like, wooden it's not, sticks and the, the leather balls. I was like, it's not the driving range. It's called something else for baseball. <laughs> I always find it funny when I see men at the batting cages because obviously like certain people like to play sports for exercise. Yeah. But it's just so otherworldly to me that I'm like, aren't the batting cages for children who are like practicing learning for how to or play? Like- yeah. Yeah. Well, there is, in fact, a child there that's like, hey, it's my turn to yeah. um, this 33-year-old man. But they're, you know, they're at the batting cage. And Jess is like, you know, I really don't understand this relationship with Sally. Like, you guys get along. You're attracted to her, but you're not sleeping together. And he's like, no, not at all. Like, this is actually a really big thing for me. I feel like I'm I'm growing. I'm, I'm maybe seeing women as people. Crazy. Um, and says that it's very freeing that he can say anything to her. He can get a woman's perspective on things. It's almost like women are actually very valuable friends to have, which I know sounds crazy, sounds novel, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And he says that they can talk about their dating lives and he doesn't have to like lie or not be himself because he's not trying to get her into bed. How novel. Right. <laughs> so we go to Katz's, um, Earlier today, Phil and I were walking home from the farmer's market and we mm-hmm. actually passed by Katz's and he goes, I'll have what she's having. And I was like, what? And he's like, oh, you didn't know? I'll have what she's having. <gasps> oh my God. And then had to explain it to me. And uh, I was like, I've seen this scene. Like, I just didn't realize. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was like a line set after. Uh, yeah. That was actually the director's mom who says that line. <gasps> really yeah that's super yeah. fun it's really fun <laughs> and i guess i always well i always see a line because it's kind of like an institution now mm-hmm. but i wonder if that also became even a bigger of a thing because it was in this movie oh i'm sure yeah and i think they actually have like either a sign or like a plaque or something above the table that they filmed it at yeah so they go to Katz's and Sally asks Harry how he can just sleep with these women and leave in the morning. And Harry's like, I just lie. I'm like, oh, I have an early squash game. I have a hair appointment. And Sally is appalled by his behavior. And she's like, well, I'm glad we never got involved because I would have just been another woman you would take to bed and then leave at 3 a.m. And Harry doesn't understand why she's so upset. And she tells him it's an affront to all women. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, kind yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he's not treating them like people. <laughs> yeah. I also just feel like the dating etiquette is so demented. And like, mm. obviously, you shouldn't feel obligated to like stay at someone's place for course, hours on yeah. end. But also like, if you have any sense of decency, like you wouldn't rush Oh, I don't know. I guess there just has to be this mutual understanding. But Yeah, because there's like a way to date or like hook up with people casually and not be like a dick about it. Right. But if you're going out and you're dating with 
a mindset of like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go on multiple dates with this person. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I guess you got to like at least talk, like at least a two-sentence conversation. Like, right. Hey, are you okay with this? Because mm-hmm. I don't want any. I don't want anyone to get hurt. I don't know. Right? Yeah. Just be clear about your expectations and where you're at and what you're looking for. Right. Is the best thing that you can do. Just you know, communicate. Yeah, but that's not what he does. No. Nope. So <laughs> Harry tells her that no one's complaining, but she's like, "Well, they don't have time. You're already out the door." And she asks him how he knows that these women are having a good time, and Harry's like, "Oh, you." You know, and she's like gesturing and we get to to the meat of it, which is like, you know, they orgasm and Sally's like, you don't think they might be faking it? And Harry's like, get out of here. And Sally's like, well, most women have at one point or another. And Harry's like, well, maybe with other men, <laughs> but not with me. Please. And I'm like, please. Okay. <laughs> and Harry's like, you think I can't tell the difference? You know, I know. So Sally <laughs> begins to like do the iconic orgasm scene. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, oh. oh and yes. <laughs> just, you know, go goes further. I mean, she is an actress. It's a really good uh, impression. And yeah. <laughs> she reaches a climax. The entire restaurant is staring at her by the time she's done. Harry shocked. And that's when Rob Reiner's mother mm-hmm. says the famous line. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> Classic. Also, like, so bold to do that. I thought that was a very interesting scene because it was something that she – you just wouldn't expect this woman mm-hmm. to do so straight-laced. I think it's it's really a testament to how Sar- – she's a Sari and Hallie – Sally and Harry like challenge each other and like they will constantly take it one step further whereas like I think without this prior conversation of them not like you know butting heads about this thing she wouldn't have done it but she's like okay I'm going to win this argument and I'm gonna fucking go balls to the wall and literally fake an orgasm in this restaurant to do it um so I think it's like a testament to how they they push each other's buttons oh yeah absolutely so we then get a little little Christmas time montage. It's the holiday season. We see a little Rockefeller Christmas tree. We see the store windows. And we see like Harriet and Sally buying a Christmas tree. He helps her carry it back to her apartment. And then before we know it, it's New Year's Eve, baby. Yeah, they really were like, bada bing, bada, bada boom. boom. Let's get to the heart of it. Mm-hmm. And so Harry and Sally are dancing at this New Year's Eve party, and she thanks him for inviting her out. And he's like, oh, you know, forget about it. We can do it again next year. If we're not seeing anybody, we don't have dates, I'll be your date. And they're slow dancing to cheek to cheek. And she even says like, oh, now we're dancing cheek to cheek because they are touching cheeks. And Mm -hmm. they are both in their feels big time. Yeah. They're like he's practically like like inhaling her scent, and she's like, "Oh my god!" Like swooning. They're both very into each other, but then he kind of goes like wide eyed because it's getting a little too intimate. Yeah, and we hear the countdown to midnight. So he's like, "Hey, uh, let's let's go get some air." So they go out onto the balcony, and you know, countdown to midnight. It's midnight. And they see all these other couples kissing. And they kind of look at each other. And it's like, a, uh, uh, 
Oh no! And they kind of like almost lean in, but then they're like, "Happy New Year!" And they do like the quickest peck in the world, and uh, that's the New Year. Now it's 1989, I guess. Have you ever had a New Year's kiss or like? No, <laughs> no, really, no. I'm just usually with my family on New Year's Eve. Right, right. Or like I've just been like single and like not mm-hmm. kiss anybody. Uh, I was supposed to be in New York for New Year's last year, in which case I would have been with my boyfriend, but I wasn't there. And then I'm going to be there this year, but he's working. So ah. I will just never have a New Year's kiss. <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, I, I mean, until I dated Phil – I never like kissed anyone in years because I was mm. also with my parents. Yeah. Cause we traditionally like would have like charcuterie and mm. like watch the ball drop and like yeah. do champagne toast and just have like a really nice um evening together. Mm-hmm. But Phil, who like his parents do pretty like a lot for Christmas, I would say. Like they have a family Christmas party and stuff. But New Year's is like him and his sister would go to a party or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he did tell me once one of his sister's friends was at this party with him and they like shared a New Year's kiss. Mm. And immediately after she was like, I feel like we're just friends though. (laughs) Brutal. Brutal. And he was just like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's perfect. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Let us know what your New Year's plans are listeners, but my personal piece of advice, my, my manifesto is that, a New Year's Eve in is always better than a New Year's Eve out. Like, even if it's in, totally. like, a party somewhere in somebody's house, always going to be better than going out to a bar where everything is just, like, crazy expensive. Expectations are always, like, so high. It never lives up to it. I, I love, like, a New Year's Eve at home where you just have, like, great drinks, great food, all people that you like, love, enjoy – and that's the way to do it. Really, I'm just always trying to emulate the New Year's Eve party in the holiday when they just have like hors d'oeuvres uh, and champagne and like dance around yeah. and they dress up. Dress up for your at-home New Year's even. But yeah, that's my advice. If you don't have any New Year's plans, do that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't know. I'm just not interested in going to a big party. No. For, I don't want to go to a party I have to pay for as so well. Expensive. It's just like yeah. too much. But I love a little cozy New Year's with the ones you love. Exactly. Where were we? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, this movie. <laughs> it's uh, it's the next little documentary insert. Okay. And the next documentary we have is an older couple talking about being camp counselors together. She's like, I was um, the girl's camp counselor and he was the guy's camp counselor. And we met at the social and he crossed the room and she thought that he was crossing the room to talk to one of her friends because a lot of men, you know, were crossing rooms mm-hmm. to talk to her friend. But he came right up to her and said, I'm Ben Small of the Coney Island Smalls. <laughs> and she knew the way you know about a good melon. I thought this this one was so darling to me. Yeah. Especially because, like, he comes up to her and he's like, I'm Ben Small of the Coney Island Smalls. Yeah. And it's so like a New York and yeah. like authentic. And at a time when it's like, we know each other, families have been here for generations and 
um, I just thought it was like really sweet and they are so cute together. Yeah. Also, like the way you know about a good melon sounds like something straight out of like a, a Valentine's greeting card or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Have you seen those TikToks of people making greeting cards? No. I I guess I'm on like craft TikTok. Mm, craft talk. Craft talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been watching a lot of this guy like cutting paper, like mm. stock paper and then like using a press and like a cutout thingy. I love that shit. I got to get it's on that. It's very satisfying. Yeah. So we cut to a scene with Marie and Sally and Marie tells Sally how she sent flowers to herself and even wrote a card to herself and left it out so Arthur would see it. But he never even came over. He was going to some charity thing with his wife. And Sally is like, he's never going to leave her. And she's like, I, I know, I know. Do you? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we've had this conversation. Mm-hmm. But Sally is taking her to a date with Harry. My. Yeah. And she tells Marie, who's very reluctant, that this way, if they hit it off, they'll all stay friends instead of drifting apart. You know, like when you start seeing someone who your friends don't know. And Maria's like, well, we didn't drift apart when I started seeing Arthur. And Sally's like, if Arthur ever did leave his wife and I met him, I am sure we would drift apart. <laughs> and Maria's like, he's never going to leave her. And Sally's like, of course he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, it's actually a double date because Harry is taking Jess to set him up with Sally. So Jess is like, oh, I... I hate that you're making me do this. I just got comfortable with being by myself and my work. And, you know, if if you're such good friends, like, why aren't you going out with Sally? And Harry is like, no, me and Sally are just friends. And Jess has now convinced himself that this is code for, like, Sally's an uggo. Uh, and He's being so obnoxious. I know. He's like, oh, you said she has a good personality. That's code for, like, she's unattractive. And Harry's like, no, if she, if you ask what she looked like and I said she had a good personality, then yes, that means she's probably not attractive. But I said that she's attractive and also mentioned that she has a good personality, which means she's both. And Jess is like, oh, she's attractive, but not beautiful. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Uh, this schlub, I can't deal with him. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious that this is a, a device, but I'm yeah. always just like – the way that some men think they need like mm. Gigi Hadid runway model. The entitlement. Yes. Yeah. Do you think that you would be a model? Because yeah. Why don't you take a look in the mirror, pal? Yeah. So at the restaurant, Jess is talking to um, Sally about Jimmy Breslin. And he's like, he's a wake-up call for the city. And I believe this writer is like pretty controversial He also starts talking about something regarding homelessness in New York, but we kind of cut out between the two conversations going on. Mm -hmm. Sally's like, oh, I'm not really a fan of him. And Jess says that he's just the reason he became a writer, but that's not really the point. So already awkward. Yikes. Then Sally mentions that Harry and Marie are both from New Jersey and they like, oh, what, what town are you from? I'm from here. I'm from there. Another awkward pause. Yeah, not a lot to really dive into with that one. No. So they look at the menu and Sally's like, well, I'm going to start with the radicchio. And Harry tells Jess that Sally is a great order. (laughs) She always orders the best thing on the menu and she orders it in a way where the chef didn't even know it could be that good. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. So Jess says he feels that restaurants have become too important. And Maria's like, 
Yeah, restaurants are to people in the 80s what theater was to people in the 60s. I read that in a magazine. And Jess is like, I wrote that. This dude's ego does not need to hear that. (laughs) Marie just cannot believe it. And he tells her that pesto is the quiche of the 80s. Like, he wrote that too. And Marie is like, oh, wow, that piece had a big impact on me. And Jess is like, well, I'm just thrilled that, you know, the writing could impact you and They go into a conversation. Totally hit it off, off the jump. As they're like all walking down the street together, Marie ends up pulling Sally aside and she's like, hey, do you really like Jess? Because like, I'm really into him and I would love to go on a date with him. And Sally's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Like, I don't care about him. But maybe just like wait a little bit. Harry is kind of like in a sensitive place right now. I don't want him to feel rejected. And Marie's like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Meanwhile, Jess is talking to Harry and he's like, hey, do you see like a future with Marie? Because I really would love to like take her out on a date. And Harry's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But like, maybe don't make a move tonight. Like Sally is in a really vulnerable place. Like I don't want her to feel rejected. So they're doing the exact same thing for each other. And he's like, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So they regroup and Jess is like, well, I'm tired of walking. I'm going to take a cab. And Marie's like, I'll go with you. And they immediately (laughs) hop in a cab, drive off together. Uh, well, I'm tired of walking. Gonna take a cab home. I'm yeah, coming. I'll be save <laughs> me a seat. <laughs> so we go to another documentary piece, and a man talks about his friend who told him about a woman in a village right over from his who was ready to get married, and they weren't supposed to meet each other until the wedding, but he wanted to like catch a glimpse of her before their marriage. So he snuck over to his village or to her village and saw her washing her clothes and thought she looked very nice. And they've been married for 55 years. So we do a little time jump, and four months later, Sally and Harry are in the Sharper Image store to look for a gift for Jess and Marie. And there are all these, like, absurd toys, which is what the Sharper Image is known for, but I feel like even back then it was more absurd. Classic 80s. (laughs) Yeah, there's like a safari hat with like a built-in fan. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is silly. So Harry finds this karaoke machine and he begins to sing Surrey with the Fringe on top. And he's like having a ball. He has Sally take the next verse and Sally sings the next part, but Harry goes like white as a sheet. And Sally's like, oh, do you hate my voice? I know. I don't have a good voice. Joe always said he hated my voice. But Harry's like, it's Helen. And she's coming straight towards us. All right. So Helen comes up to them and says hello and introduces Iris Stone. Not that it matters, but big age difference. Yeah, he does look like quite a bit older. And I wonder if it's the same man who she left him for. I assume that it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. So Harry is silent, and then he's like, oh, oh yeah, this is Sally Albright. It's incredibly awkward. Mm -hmm. And Helen just says, see you, and walks away. She's, like, super cold, too. I'm like, why Mm -hmm. even come up to him? Right. You don't need to. Like, if you see him, you just be like, oh, I'm going to avert my gaze and go about my business. Right. So Sally asks Harry if he's okay, and Harry's like, She looks weird. Her legs looked very heavy. Maybe she's retaining water. And Sally's just like, I've never seen this woman in my life. Yeah. (laughs) 
So they end up going to Jess and Marie's place, and there's this god-awful wagon wheel coffee table in the middle of the room. Marie, understandably, hates it, and Jess asks Harry for his opinion. Harry backs him up, but then when Marie asks for Sally's opinion, she's like, yeah, it's not good. Mm -hmm. So they kind of get into this whole conversation of like, oh, maybe if we had an extra room, we could put all your, like, ugly furniture in it like your bar stools whatever whatever like, that's the fucking dream <laughs> an extra that's room that's the dream i wouldn't have to have a lego man in my living room <laughs> this is something that matt and i have talked about he's been like oh yeah like when we move in together we'll make sure there's like a separate room where i can keep all of my gaming shit so it doesn't like uh, upset yeah. the aesthetic of like whatever however else you want to decorate and i was like thank you i appreciate How accommodating. that <laughs> Yeah. We'll see what budget allows, but uh, it right, would be right. great to have a separate room where he can keep all of his Pokemon and Funko Pops and Xbox <laughs> shit that I don't <laughs> need it's in my living room. <laughs> I feel like we don't really have a designated spot for Phil's objects, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have that much like random yeah. stuff. Like I know that um, – since Nora and Christian have lived together, mm. he has like his office, yeah, where he has like he has like boat stuff mm. or like little things, his chachkis, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that um, Samir also has an office in mm. his apartment with Emery, yeah, yeah. The boys like, just need their own yeah. little room. They just need a little study. They can keep they all just their need things. Their little area, and then the rest of the apartment. Um, will be beautiful yeah and to our taste <laughs> and accommodating to us yes because we're the boss <laughs> that actually makes me think about in um in juno how he has like um oh my god he has his own room and she's like oh yeah she your wife you your own your room, room. <laughs> in and your I'm house like, and i'm like yeah that's the way it should be <laughs> i am on jennifer garner's side so anyways, back to this movie. As this whole combo is going on, Harry is just kind of like, again, despondent, staring out the window. When eventually, like, he chimes back in and is like, you know what? Me and Helen started just like this, or we decorated our place. And then six years later, you find yourself singing Surrey in the Fringe in front of Ira. And Sally's like, okay, let's take it down a notch. But Harry's like, no, 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 no. I'm just trying to warn this lovely couple about, you know, what's in store for them. And before you know it, you're going to be arguing over this $8 plate and you're going to be sending lawyers back and forth to see who gets custody of this ugly coffee table. And he like storms out and Jess is like, I thought you liked the coffee table. He's like, I was being nice. And like storms out. (laughs) Sally's like, um... He just bumped into Helen, so a little sensitive right now. And she follows him out. And then Marie hugs Jess, and she's like, I just want you to know that I promise I will never, ever want that coffee table. Oh, yeah. So Sally follows Harry outside and tells him he's going to have to find a way not to express every feeling he has when he has them. There's a time and a place And Harry just gets mad at her for telling him how to live his life, especially by someone who never gets upset about anything. Mm. I think he calls her like Miss uh, Folded Corners on the bedsheet or something. Yeah, something like that. I butcher that, but it's okay. (laughs) And he's like, 
Have you ever experienced loss? And if you're so over Joe, how come you aren't seeing anyone? And you certainly haven't slept with anyone. And she's like, fucking someone doesn't prove I'm over someone. I will make love with someone when it's making love. Not like it's out of revenge like you. Mm. So they're exchanging some terse words. And after she says this, Harry just like gets this really forlorn look on his face. And he's like, I'm so sorry. And they hug. They like embrace. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very intense. It's very intimate. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell that they've really cultivated a a very strong bond with Mm -hmm. each other. Totally. So they head back in, but as they're going in, Jess comes out with his wagon wheel (laughs) and he's like, don't say a word. (laughs) So some time has passed. We're back at Jess and Marie's apartment. It's fully furnished. It's beautiful. And everyone is playing Pictionary. And for the life of me, I could not, again, I don't know what's wrong with me today, but I couldn't remember the word for Pictionary. And I was Googling like, oh my God, (laughs) charades, but drawing or like a game where you draw and people guess it's called fucking Pictionary. You idiot, Christina. But (laughs) they're playing Pictionary. Nobody can figure out what Sally is drawing. She's drawn a baby and then a mouth and keeps like just drawing arrows between the two. Sally, girlfriend. The prompt was baby talk, which no one could Mm -hmm. get. Somebody's like, baby with a fish. (laughs) And after they say it, they're like, oh, yeah, but baby with a fish is is much more common for sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we then see Sally has a new boyfriend, this tall man in a suit with a full head of hair named Julian. And we also see that Harry has a girlfriend, this young gal with long, curly hair named Emily. Mm -hmm. So we see as, like, each of them kiss their respective significant other, the other one is, like, looking in jealousy, obviously, because they're in love with each other. And Sally goes into the kitchen with Marie, and she's like, you know, that girlfriend of Harry's seems, like, a little young, Meanwhile, Harry is talking to Jess and is like, you know, Sally's boyfriend, he seems a little stuffy. And Marie is like, well, yeah, Emily's young, but she's like done so much. She has this blossoming dessert business where she makes thousands of chocolate mousse pies a week. And Jess is like, oh, no, like Julian's great. He actually he took us all out to a Mets game last week. And Sally is like, that's insane. (laughs) I know. And Sally is like, Harry doesn't even like desserts. And Harry's like, Sally doesn't even like baseball. So, you know, they know each other too well for their own good. And nobody else is going to measure up. This reminds me, though, how he's like, oh, yeah, he took us all to a Mets game at certain firms. They have boxes. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Mm. I have a friend whose sister recently moved to New York. Like, she's a recent Mm. college graduate and has, like, a fancy, like, finance job. Mm. And she called my friend and, like, her roommate and, like, a couple of their girlfriends and was like, hey, like, do you want to go see the 1975? Shut up. And – I knew you would react. I knew you would react like this because I was like, I was shocked to hear this story. So basically, she like calls them up, and my friend is like, I don't. I'm not using their names just because I don't know. Yeah, but this girl's like, oh yeah, like do you have an extra ticket? Like do you know, do you want me to like pay for it? Or like how much is it? And she literally goes, no, it's free. 
there's a box that like my company has and she works at a finance firm like with a bunch of like men who they were the only people in the box like these five girls and there was a bunch of like food and like like they do the whole thing and I was like unreal that is unreal I'm not gonna say that I'm upset but I am incredibly jealous (laughs) I will be thinking about that for a long time and if anybody ever wants, if they have any, you know, 1975 tickets just laying around, hit me up. Let me know. I will gladly take those off your hands. So just give me give me a heads up. Anyways, <laughs> we can get back to this movie now. <laughs> so that night, Harry is reading the last page of his book when he gets a phone call from Sally in tears, inconsolable, because she found out that Joe is getting married. So Harry goes over to Sally's place. She's still sobbing and tells him that Joe called her to see how she was. And she was sitting there thinking how over him she was. And then he broke the news that he's marrying this paralegal in his office named Kimberly, who he basically just met. And she cries that the truth is that he just didn't want to marry her and he didn't love her. I can only imagine the... Like the feeling of like not being good enough when you've been in this relationship and told this person like, ah, this is what I actually want, but they couldn't commit to that with you. Like it's really devastating. So she's crying and Harry's like, okay, if you could take him back right now, would you? And Sally's like, no, but why didn't he want to marry me? Like I'm difficult. And he's like, you're challenging. He's like, She's like, I'm too structured. I'm completely closed off. And he's like, but in a good way. And she sobs and says that she drove him away. And she's going to be 40 someday soon, like in eight years. And she says that it's just sitting there like a big dead end, but it's not the same for men. And don't tell me different. Like Charlie Chaplin had kids when he was like 73. And Harry's like, but he couldn't pick them up. And Harry just pulls her in and like rubs her back and tells her it's going to be okay. (laughs) I think he says like, this isn't my favorite shirt or something. And uh, he gives her this little peck and starts to get up to go make some tea. But she's like, just hold on to me a little bit longer. And he does. And that's when they have another kiss. And Sally leans in and they share another kiss which turns into a makeout session. One thing that I really liked about this scene is that kind of like back and forth where she's like, I'm difficult. And he's like, you're challenging. And she's like, I'm this. And he's like, in a good way. Like, I love the way that he he doesn't yeah. try to like tell her she's not these things, but just reframe them in a positive way, which I thought was just like a really, really nice acknowledgement of like how well he knows her and kind of like wants her to own like the person that she is because he obviously like loves her for all of these things yeah i find his ability to talk to her very interesting because it's so hard to crack that shell yeah with men sometimes where it's like even if you're friends if there's something wrong they're not going to tell you about it but Mm -hmm. they have such an open friendship where it's like I'm devastated, like, come over or, like, I can't sleep. Let me call you on the phone. Yeah, like, he both knows how to push her buttons but also knows exactly the right thing to say to comfort her, which is Mm -hmm. rare. So 
after they have sex, oh my God, it happens. Mm -hmm. Sally is in like total bliss. She's like smiling. She's like laying on his chest. Harry, not so much. The man is panicking. Yeah. And she's not really picking up on those clues so much. She's just like, do you want something to drink? I'm going to get some water. And she like puts on her robe, (laughs) goes out to get water. And Harry starts looking through this little box she has on her nightstand. And it's like index cards of all of her videotapes that she has like organized. She like gets undressed, gets back to bed with him. She's like, oh, did you want to watch something? And he's like, no, no, it's fine. And so they lay in bed and she's like, do you want to go to sleep? Like, oh, Sally. It's so rough. And he's like, okay. And she's like, oh, okay. And then just turns off the light and they go to sleep. And it's so rough. It's so bad. uncomfortable. Yikes. So in the morning... Sally wakes up to an empty bed because Harry is getting dressed. The man was just going to leave without even waking Mm -hmm. her up. Yes, he was. So she asks where he's going and he's like, oh, I got to go home. I got to change my clothes and go to work. You also have to go to work. But uh, I'd like to take you to dinner after work if you're free. And she's like, okay. He's like, great. I'll, I'll call you later. And he kisses her on the forehead and leaves. And at first I was kind of like, oh, he like wants to take her to dinner, mm-hmm. but it's not in a good way. Yeah, it's not what she wants at the moment. Yeah. So, of course, Sally immediately calls Marie. She's like, it did something terrible. Harry calls Jess and he's like, we need to talk. <laughs> Marie and Jess are in bed together. It's like six in the morning or something. Like This also means that they have two different landlines. Yeah. So they each tell them what happened, and Marie and Jess both say, it's great, like, you guys belong together, we've been wanting this for so long, and then they both say that the sex was good, but then Harry's like, I felt suffocated, and Sally's like, he just disappeared, and Harry feels horrible, Sally says she feels embarrassed, and uh, Jess and Marie accidentally invite both of them over for breakfast, but thankfully but thankfully, they both say no, mm. and Maria's like, I'm so happy I never have to be out there anymore. And she's like, I never have to be out there anymore, do I? And he's like, no, you never have to. And they kiss. Yeah, so as Harry and Sally are each getting ready for this dinner, they both kind of plan in their heads that they're going to say that it was a mistake. And Sally just hopes that she gets to say it first. And Harry just hopes that she says it first. Mm Mm-hmm. So they sit down for dinner. Sally immediately was like, it was a mistake. And Harry is like, thank God you said that. Like, I'm so relieved that you think so, too. And this is crushing for her. She's like, of course. She's like, yeah. So they both agree. He's like, he's like, not that it, not that it wasn't good. Like, it was great. And she's like, yeah, yeah, totally. We just, you know, we shouldn't have done it. And they're like, agreed. Amazing. Let's breeze right past it. So their salads arrive and they just like eat them in silence. It's super awkward. She's looking at him. He cannot even like bring himself to look in her direction. And then eventually he looks up and he's like, you know, it's so nice when you can sit with someone and you don't have to talk. And she's like, "Mm -hmm." yeah, yeah. 
So we cut to Harry and Chess just power walking through Central Park. <laughs> they look so funny. Their mm-hmm. hips are just moving so wildly. Yeah. And he says that Sally and him, when they went to bed, they didn't do the regular small talk because they already knew each other so well. And maybe you just get to a point in a relationship where it's too late, like you can't have sex anymore. Meanwhile, Marie is getting fitted for her wedding dress and Sally is there with her. And she asks Marie if Harry is bringing anyone to the wedding. And Marie says no, but he was seeing someone. And Sally asks for details. And Marie is like, um, she was an anthropologist. Thin, pretty, big tits, your basic nightmare. And that's when Marie turns around. She has her dress on. And Sally is like, you just look beautiful. Just holding back tears. She's happy for her friend, but she's also, like, mm-hmm. shot in the heart. Like, Oh, totally. So the wedding happens. Marie walks down the aisle, and the ceremony begins, and Sally is the maid of honor. Harry is the best man, and they're standing, like, right across from each other at the altar, and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they catch each other's eye, but they end up looking away because there's just so much – going on beneath the surface so at the reception sally is talking to her friend alice and they're just you know talking about how marie's never been this happy and having some small talk about the wedding when alice's husband takes her off to the dance floor and that's when harry takes his moment to go up and talk to sally so they again have some small talk about the ceremony she's being like very cold with him she like really flips a switch as soon as she as he comes up to her and He's trying to fill the silence and is like, boy, you know, the holidays are rough. I'm really just trying to hang on and make it through from Thanksgiving to New Year's. And she's like, yep, lots of suicides. (laughs) It's like, okay. So he asks how she's been, if she's seeing anyone. And Sally is like, don't. Like, I don't want to talk about it. We're not going to do this. And she starts walking away from him. And he just kind of like comes out with it and asks if they're ever going to get over this. Like, is this what it's going to be like forever? And she's like, forever. Like, it happened three weeks ago. And then he makes a fatal mistake pulling out this horrible metaphor and is like, you know how like a year to human is like seven years to a dog? And Sally is like, oh, so is one of us supposed to be a dog in this situation? And he says, yeah, you are. Dude, in what world do you see that going over well? I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. So they kind of go off to the side area and she tells him that if anyone is the dog, it's him because he's the one acting like it didn't mean anything. And he says that it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't mean anything to him, but he just doesn't think it should mean everything. And Sally says that it does. And he should know that because he's the one who walked right out the door. And Harry brings up that they both agree that it was a mistake. And she says that it was the worst mistake she ever made. So they end up going into, like, the kitchen, and Harry tells her that he didn't go over to her apartment to make love to her, but then she looked up at him with those big, weepy eyes, and she's oh like, my God, oh, so shut you, up. like, stop talking, dude. Just let it be. But as we know from the beginning of the movie, he does not just let things lie. So mm-hmm. she's like, oh, so you were just taking pity on me then, and slaps him across the face and says, fuck you. 
They go back into the reception hall where Jess is making a toast. He's like, I want to make a toast to our good friends, Harry and Sally, because if we had found either of them even remotely attractive, we wouldn't be here today. My goodness. Everybody laughs and claps. Cut to Christmas where Sally gets a Christmas tree, but she has to lug it home alone. And Harry calls Sally and tells her it's the season of forgiveness And if she could just call him back, he'd be willing to do the traditional Christmas groveling. Harry keeps calling, but Sally doesn't answer. Like, sometime later, while this is all happening, Jess and Harry get hot dogs, and he tells Jess that Sally won't answer his calls, and he doesn't know why he keeps making a schmuck of himself. He then immediately continues to do that by calling again and singing to her. So he's singing on this karaoke machine, like, call me back, Sally, I just want to talk to you, like making up some (laughs) song. And she does finally pick up and ask what he's doing and, you know, what he wants. And he says he just wanted to tell her that he's sorry. And she's about to hang up when he's like, hey, hey, like, you know, before you hang up, I just wanted to see if you're going to... Tyler's party, if you have a date, because, you know, we always said that if we didn't have somebody else, we would be each other's New Year's date. And she says, I can't do this anymore. I'm not your consolation prize. Good for you, Sally. That was the right move. So we jump forward to New Year's and Harry is sitting at home. He's on his bed with his like mallow Mars and his little (laughs) basketball. And he like shoots the basketball into the hoop and misses and Mm. he's watching dick clark's rocking new year's eve and he's like yeah this is perfect this is what i want Mm. meanwhile sally is at tyler's party dancing with some guy and she's like marie i don't know why i'm here i don't know why i let you drag me to this she's having the worst time Mm -hmm. harry decides to leave his apartment do a little walking around in his head he thinks about how this is so much better than pretending to have a good time at some crowded party. But then he sees this couple kissing across the street. Mm. While this is happening, Sally is stuck in a boring conversation with some guy, and she wants to leave, but Maria's like, okay, well, you're never going to get a taxi. Harry ends up walking past Washington Square Park and looking at the arch, and he remembers his conversation with Sally about how he said, like, men and women can't be friends, And we have this montage of all their memories together, them on the plane, them becoming friends. It had to be you starts playing and he just takes off. Harry begins running, running to (laughs) Sally. Yes. I will say I think this is a good way because I don't normally like the montage of like stuff we've already seen in the movie. I'm like, we just saw it. But I think because they have that like conversation playing over it. I'm more okay with it because I'm like, oh, we are referencing like a very particular thesis, not just like, oh, and remember all the good times that you saw like 15 minutes ago? You're going to see him again. (laughs) So we get to the New Year's Eve party. Sally is just standing alone in the crowd and decides to leave, even though it is almost midnight, like it's two minutes to midnight. Jess and Marie try and convince her to stay. Jess is like, I'll kiss you. But she's like, no, I'm That's perfect. absolutely My not. <laughs> best friend's husband. Oh, great. A pity kiss. She said, I thought I hit rock bottom, but it's actually this. And 
she decides to leave anyways. Harry runs himself over to the party and manages to catch Sally just before she leaves. Shall we do a dramatic reading? Who would you like to be? You can pick because you had surgery on your teeth. I'll be Sally then, so I don't have to talk as much. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I've been doing a lot of thinking, and the thing is, I love you. What? I love you. How do you expect me to respond to this? How about you love me too? How about I'm leaving? Doesn't what I said mean anything to you? I'm sorry, Harry. I know it's New Year's Eve, and I know you're feeling lonely, but you can't just show up here, tell me you love me, and expect that to make everything all right. Well, how does it work? I don't know, but not this way. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half when you order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep. And it's not because I'm lonely, and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. You see, that is just like you, Harry. You say things like that that make it impossible for me to hate you. And I hate you, Harry. I really hate you. (laughs) So yes, they do kiss magical moment and then they break off and harry's like you know i never understood what this song means (laughs) (laughs) old lang syne (laughs) just goes off into like a whole rant about it and sally eventually is like it's about old friends and they kiss again and we zoom out of the party and our final documentary interview is with harry and sally And they talk about how the first time they met, they hated each other. And she says that he didn't hate her. She hated him. (laughs) And they recount how they were friends for a long time. And then they fell in love. Three months later, they got married. And she's like, it only took 12 years and three months. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, oh, yeah, we had a beautiful wedding. There was a huge cake. And she's like, a huge, you know, coconut cake with all the tears and a rich chocolate sauce on the side because because of course if you put it on the cake it gets all soggy especially with the coconut cake <laughs> and he's like yes it's very important to have it on the side <laughs> <laughs> and that's when harry met sally wow so what did you Rom-com think for the ages yeah i really enjoyed it mm-hmm. at first i don't know what it is lately i just have been taking a long time to get into movies mm-hmm. like to get into the I felt the same way with the family stone mm-hmm. but um I can see why this is such a classic right because I was so interested in what was going to happen and their characters the banter between them I was like whoa <laughs> it felt like familiar in a way mm-hmm. you know what I mean like it it's very felt grounded. like a conversation I would have yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I just think that it was super realistic, even though it was a rom-com. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It felt like I was like watching people through a window. It it felt like really fulfilling in a way to watch. Like it hit all the right spots, I guess. Like the romance, the friends to lovers. I don't know. It's just a really well-crafted movie. Yeah, definitely. I 
I really enjoyed it. I love that we got such a strong grasp of who these characters are. And that is something that I feel is sorely missing from a lot of rom-coms where they either get too invested in some sort of zany premise or some sort of convoluted plot stuff. Oh, yeah. And they forget to really dedicate time to carving out who these people are and giving them so many nuances because so much of like what we learn about Harry and Sally is simply through their like reactions to things like just their facial reaction shots and speaking of the family stone that's something that I also found in the family stone that I really like is you get to learn a lot about people by when they're not speaking just how they're reacting to what's going on around them yeah and yeah I feel like the dialogue is just very it was very carefully crafted which it makes sense that she spent so many years working on it and i think the mm-hmm. intentionality behind that like really shines through in a way that we just like don't always get in other movies and that's why nora Ephron was such like a force in the rom-com world but yeah i guess what are your thoughts about the kind of the thesis of the film and like the message because we touched on that earlier yeah Really quickly, I just want to say I think that the strong writing is what grounds the film. Like um, you mentioned like the zany premises and I think that a lot of movies do rely on that like all of the Lifetime movies that turn out are, you know, based on the zany premise or like kind of like the same idea recycled over and over again. Mm -hmm. But the idea of like if – women and men can be friends I feel really like I just wasn't thinking about it when I was watching the movie because I was super invested in what was happening moment to moment right and I guess by the end of the movie I was just like I don't care what he said before yeah yeah and I feel like that's what yeah basically when he goes and he sees the arch and he has the flashback montage But I guess that being said, like, the ultimate – what I got from the movie was, like, when you are able to fully, like, be yourself around someone is when you're going to be the most comfortable. Yeah, definitely. That's that's kind of what my thought was, too, was just that, like, the idea of, like, men and women being friends aside is that when you do start with that – foundational friendship where you take out all the ideas of trying to impress somebody in order to either sleep with them or date them, whatever it might be when you are in this very like intimate relationship without ulterior motives, that is what provides the best foundation for a relationship because you do know each other without that kind of romantic judgment hanging over it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that in their own different ways, they had to do that. Like for Harry, he was so uh, divisive on things. Like Mm -hmm. we mentioned, very black and white. He often dated people or like had sex with people, which didn't mean anything to him, Mm -hmm. even though he wanted to be married. Like he wants this outcome for himself, but he's doing things that feel incredibly frivolous. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of the spectrum, Sally is super closed off. She's not in touch with her feelings. She wants things the way she wants them. She's very particular. And they both had to find that person who could break them out of their own like neurotic habits Mm -hmm. in order to 
not change them, but to just bring out what was already there. Yeah. Because I think one of the biggest things I've learned from being in a relationship is just that you have to be yourself with the person that you're with. Right. And if you can't enjoy the little things, like if you can't um, be like, oh, you know what? This is all great, but I hate that he always like licks his plate after he's done eating, you know, like that sort of stuff. If you're even thinking about that being a major issue for you, it's because it's not the right person for you. Yeah. You know, it's it's a symptom of other deeper of issues. Other issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And I think that like a really a really nice like nuance that I hadn't really thought about before um to both of these characters that kind of break them out of what if it was, you know, a lesser writer might have kind of fallen into something very conventional is the fact that while we get this setup that Harry is you know, he's like, oh, men and women can't be friends. Like, he sees things in this very black and white way. But he's the one who ends up, like, he got married and he wanted to be married and he, right. like, did fall in love. Whereas Sally, who would be seen more in the traditional, like, she's more of the romantic because she's like, oh, no, like, men and women can be friends. I don't want to have sex with somebody unless it, like, means something type of thing. She didn't want to get married and she kind of, like, rejected that traditional value. So I liked how they kind of flipped what you might expect these characters mm-hmm. to both want. I think it just provided them so much more, um, so many more layers than it could have just been like, oh, he only cares about sex and she only cares about love in like a very traditional gender role type of right. way. Yeah, and I along with the strong writing is that they are very dimensional characters. So it didn't feel like even though she was particular about things, that that was her whole personality. Yeah. Like she was able to joke and she's all obviously very outgoing. Mm-hmm. Like whenever we see her um, talking or interacting with other people, she's really well-spoken. She doesn't have like a shy voice. Yeah. She's uh, like a strong character, I guess you could say. And he is also like, Harry's like a really good friend. He's like willing to help people. Like mm-hmm. they both have a lot of nuance and it didn't feel like, oh, this is going to be a story about, um, I mean, kind of like the family stone, which is like a little more comedic, but Sarah Jessica Parker comes to the house. She's super uptight. And then she ends up being like, woo, I can have fun. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's like deeper than that in mm-hmm. this film. Yeah. It's, it's really about, you know, finding that person that will balance you and bring out, um, qualities in you that you maybe aren't able to fully access on your own and you know also loving like the imperfections about somebody and just accepting all of the parts that make somebody who they are Uh, wow i feel like i'm in like a relationship therapy or something (laughs) yeah you should do a love line oh my gosh yeah if you have any if you need any advice let us know but because obviously we're experts I love getting into people's business. Yeah. I'm an expert. I love gossip. So tell me all about <laughs> it. Yum, yum, yum. But with that being said, I guess you have any final thoughts before we give her a give her a rating, or should we just go right into it? Um, just that you know, in the other wedding movies that we've done, I think we've established that no one eats the cake at a wedding, or like mm. very few people eat the cake. Yeah. So I can't say that I would go through the trouble to get like a huge coconut cake with chocolate <laughs> sauce on the side. Yeah, definitely not. So for that, I'll have to chop you. Yeah, the move is definitely, you know, 
the cake that you want for you and your and your spouse, and then sheet cakes for the guests. Oh, yeah. That's the way to do it. Or one of our listeners actually DM'd us and had a donut wall. So that was super cool. Something like that. I think that this is so relevant. <laughs> I think that I would have like a mid-sized cake. You have it passed like to the table so that they can just like go ahead and eat it. But I would also have like a dessert table. Mm, yeah. Love, love. On that note, <laughs> shall we rate yeah. her? <laughs> Last movie of 2022. Oh, wow. I really like the movie. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah. I'm also going to give it an eight. I think it's like a very, very excellent movie, but I didn't find that I had the emotional response to it that I have mm-hmm. for other rom-coms, which just like hit me more emotionally. Like I could, I was watching, I was like, wow, this is really good. Like the beats are all like great. It's all there, but I wasn't, I didn't really feel like that emotionally stirred while watching it. Yeah. I felt and like I, I like to be fucked up by a rom com, you know? <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Well, I didn't cry during this movie. Yeah. I didn't feel like super emotional, but I also spent a lot of time thinking. I was like, mm. oh, like what happened with this? Like, oh, he's feeling this way. Like mm. my, the gears were turning. Yeah. So it was like logic brain and not emotional mm-hmm. brain. <laughs> yeah. It might take like a couple more watches to kind of get out of the, oh, I'm like, analyzing what's going on and like really living in the plot to kind of get that big time emotional investment so who knows my my rating might change the more i watch it say la vie but i also feel like i wonder if you feel this way when i watch a movie that has like really excellent actors sometimes i'm like Mm -hmm. oh that's an interesting acting choice. Like, yeah. I, can't and then I that, get like, can't turn stuck it off. Is that stupid thing where I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. like, I feel like I'm watching like a master class. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. Oh, great container work we have going on here. Like, yeah. Stupid, annoying shit like emotional that. State, the banter, the back and forth. They're so in touch with each yeah. other. Yeah. That's why my parents. Listening. <laughs> the active listening that's going on. What a generous yeah. scene partner. Um, this is why my parents hate watching movies with me and my brother because like, I went to theater school. He it does like composition for film and stuff. So like I'm talking about the acting and the writing. He's talking about the music and they're like, you guys are insufferable. Oh so. my gosh. <laughs> I really, I've talked because Phil is super into movies as well. Mm-hmm. So like after we watch a movie, we'll talk like for hours and be like, oh, I felt this way about the acting or he'll be like, oh, this like directorial perspective like right and um i just feel like if we someone should let us go to con because <laughs> i will be a boo bird like i will literally be that person booing after a movie too many people wow. do standing ovations now it's like everyone gets a standing ovation it means nothing yeah. we need to bring back the people who boo bring back bullying. bring back the That's boo bird <laughs> You got to be honest. Not every movie is a hit. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So, yeah, if anyone wants to invite us to any major film festivals. Yeah. Um, we'll be plants in the audience. We'll do whatever you want. So, let's know. Absolutely. We should have like a booth at South by Southwest or something. Mm, yeah. Do you have a lot of Texas listeners? Let yeah, us know. Let us know. Hit us up. But, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you enjoyed this year of podcasts it's been it's been a wild ride yes and said it before but thank you again we really couldn't do any of this without you yeah really appreciate it 
three years coming up oh on my three God. years. Wow. Um, it's really exciting. Like mm-hmm. I I I am kind of gonna speak for both of us, but this podcast started at a time when we were both like incredibly artistically unsatisfied. Yeah. And um I just feel really proud of like the thing that we've created together. And I feel like when people ask me about my life or like about my job, like I tell them what I do, but I also tell them about the podcast. Like mm-hmm. it's very important to me and I take it very seriously and I'm just so happy that you guys enjoy it. Yes, absolutely. I feel I feel very similarly and we're just really excited to, you know, keep on going. It has been like two years, but it also feels like we're just getting started, you know? Yeah, Things totally. can only grow from here. So we're really excited for what's ahead and we hope that everybody has like a great new year. We're going yes. into 2023. Clear bada eyes, bang, full hearts. Bang. Can't, Can't lose. lose. <laughs> I love <laughs> sports. <laughs> and with that being said, if you want anything else from us, you can always follow us on Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. You can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok. It's at Movies That Raised Us pod. And you can email us at movies that raised us at gmail.com. And we will see you in 2023. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.